Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. Greetings and thank you, listener, for joining us here on Choose Life Radio. We have two strong believers with us today, and they took the time to write a book, a small book, but a book titled Abortion, The Case for Life. Our guests are gentlemen, and I'm exceptionally interested in their decision to write a book about abortion because often men are reluctant to weigh in on this topic. So we welcome Greg Mack and we welcome Mitch McKelvey. Thank you, Jill. Before we get into the issue of abortion today, let's start with your preface. You share why you wrote this book and also ask the question, what is a Christian? So would you kind of talk about those two topics? They're two different topics, but they really do come together, oftentimes clashing at church. Mm, Yes, well, that could be one of the reasons we ended up this way. Yes, Uh, Mitch and I have been studying together, you know, every week for uh, 20 years. We met in a men's study group uh, that I was leading, and and after that was over, we just kept meeting regularly and exploring the Word and picking topics that we wanted to explore more and deeper. And so probably 18 months ago, maybe almost two years ago, uh, uh, the topic of abortion, you know, came up and we wanted to explore that more to make sure that our kind of our own positions on the subject were as clear as possible um, and get a little bit beyond kind of the superficial answer of because the Bible says so. And so we started to uh, look at the subject in great detail, uh, both from a kind of scientific perspective and, of course, a biblical perspective, and and certainly was an incredible journey, uh, and we ended up producing uh, you know, the document that became this book. Um, and we thought at the end, we thought, wow, maybe other people might want to read this because we really had never seen or read anything like this on the subject matter, especially for Christians, because, you know, being in the in the Christian church and, and interacting with other Christians, we could, you know, regularly see a lot of internal conflict um, about this very controversial subject. Wow, that's very insightful for you guys, and I'm really proud of you. You're right. It's very difficult uh, to blend the church with the issue of abortion because I think pastors are afraid that, um, you know, someone is in that congregation who has had an abortion and just feels like, oh, I hope no one ever, ever mentions it. I, I don't think I could ever share that. And the reality is, it's really important. It's really important in the church to talk about this issue and to offer women relief and to offer men uh, the understanding that this is a life that now God has in his hands and we can ask him to forgive us. Those are the two important things that I think you are doing well (laughs) with. Amen. Thank you. We appreciate that. Before we get too deep into the issue of abortion, let's start with your preface. You share why you wrote this book, and also you ask the question, what is a Christian? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah th- again, those uh, merge together for us. Uh, you know, that, that subject in and of itself of 
exactly what is a Christian uh, outside of the dictionary definition of a disciple of Jesus Christ, um, which is very oversimplistic in, in many regards. And, and you know, that merges into a discussion we had delved into about, you know, the process of salvation and uh, how people, you know, pray to get saved and what's the process for that. And so we spent probably a year or two years looking just at that subject and that kind of dovetailed into this subject, interestingly enough. And and again, because the book is, is really written to the Christian believer and the Christian community, um, because we wanted to, you know, provide some clarity on this subject uh, and something that they could use to create some discourse and discussion around that wasn't so emotionally derived and, and, you know, being avoided uh, in conversation. And so uh, we wanted to make sure that we were clear on what we meant when we said Christian. <laughs> so, and in and, and reading the book, you know, you can see that we spend a lot of time clarifying definitions and framing things. Yeah. Oh, yes. You guys nailed it. <laughs> Would one of you give us some depth of your description of an individual who acknowledges and fully accepts those six qualifiers that you have in your preface? We struggled with, with this uh, for a while and understand the kind of penchant, the, the impulse that we have as, as human beings to make things simpler and easier um, to try to understand. And, and we realize that there's some real peril there when you try to oversimplify or condense something too much, thinking that you're making it easier to understand when you're actually stripping out uh, the actual true depth of the meaning of the thing. And so um, we, what we wrote there about defining what a Christian is, is kind of our minimum in a sense, right? That uh, Because, you know, that word Christian uh, has taken on additional definitions in cultures beyond even disciple of Christ to just meaning what? Well, I'm a good person. I'm a Christian, right? And we're like, well, wait a minute. That's, that's not that's not good enough because, you know, our understanding of biblical idea of Christianity um, was much deeper and broader than that, you know. So, you know, if, if forced to try to reduce the, I don't know, two or two, two pages, I think, that we dedicated to this description more, more than anything else is, t- is tough. But I'd be happy to try if you want. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I, I want people to get the booklet and see what you've written because it is very powerful. I think the fact that you approach this isn't simply opinion. It, it's, it's not solely biblical, but you add the science and you talk about the definitions of abortion and its related terms. So as you share that scientific information, you literally take your reader from what defines a woman, what is a conception, and what is death, and even more. So why start with such basic concepts? Well, this issue is wrought with tremendous emotion, which is, of course, an important feature of being human. However, thinking and acting only on emotion by itself can be quite disorienting and cause irrational actions with long-term consequences, often life-altering. And we wanted to strike a balance between 
the emotional aspects of this issue with the logical fact-based aspects to create more clarity and a more sober analysis. You know, we live in a time where, and we accept that this has occurred over human history, that language undergoes change and words take on different meanings. The concern is that if words can be changed in terms of definition and meaning at the drop of a hat, and only to try and justify an emotionally derived position, uh, even to defend unlawful evil or sinful action, by twisting the language and changing the definitions to try and switch what was considered unlawful or evil action to one now that is not, um, then eventually communication breaks down. And we won't even be able to understand each other anymore on any number of subjects. Value systems become corrupted. Even authentic compassion can become corrupted. If language and words can reflect objective reality, then this can lead to a society literally breaking down into a pseudo-chaotic construct like what happened at the Tower of Babel, right? The cohesiveness and unity of a society will degrade. And so the specific language associated with what to call the human in the womb is structured and delivered in a way to diminish um uh, you know, just the emotional side, but to balance that with an objective and emotional reality, uh, that there is a life being terminated. So language like it's a clump of cells or it hasn't achieved personhood, etc., um, is trying to create a sidestep to this reality that a human life is being voluntarily terminated to make the death of a human, not the death of a human in a sense. And this takes the emotional reaction to the terminating of uh, human life away, right? That's the intention of that. And so it's a real interesting contradiction for the pro-choice and pro-abortion individuals who will then choose to make a strong appeal to emotions surrounding privacy and choice and the life of the pregnant female, the mother, and then as well as almost completely marginalizing the father and their emotional state. So um, it's, it's quite a confusing mess, really. And so we wanted to clarify that with these are the words we're using, and this is what they mean. And you talked briefly about it isn't a child, it's just a clump of cells, which, of course, that's not where you guys are. But that is so true. There are so many people that say you've got all this time to make a decision because it's just, it's not really a baby yet. It's not. And I, I think that's a very important issue in pregnancy centers to know how to really um, spiritually share that with the person that's before them saying, I really think I need an abortion. So if you were talking to a director of a pregnancy center now, how affirming could you be on that importance that it's the minute it's, you know, uh, the, the sperm and the cell come together, that's it. The ovum come together, that's it. That's a baby. Well, it's a human. Yeah, so that's the key. That's probably the key point we realized, because, again, we learned a lot as well along this journey. And, and, and some of the things that we thought initially were changed and updated and edited, we're like, wait a second, you know, we, we had some errors in the way we were thinking about this. But we're, we're saying, you know, it's a human being, um, and in, in our context, created by God. And so the words baby and child and infant and fetus and zygote, these are stages of development of a human being that is alive. And so using the word baby and child again, starts to again, bring this emotionalism into it 
and uh, almost a shame or, um, you know, a sense of guilt, right? And we don't want that. This is a very difficult decision that needs to be made about, you know, not only having having a human being formed in the womb and then going through its stages of development, but then talking about, you know, all the things that have to happen to support that process and whether you're going to terminate that or not, right? And so we would encourage people um, in these in these very challenging settings and, and emotionally charged settings to talk about it as a human that was created and is now on a developmental path and to just educate on that process. Wow, this has gone really fast. We're already halfway through our interview. I'm going to take a very quick break and get right back to you guys. This is really a blessing to me. Thank you for what you're doing. Hi, I'm Howard. Joe will be back in a moment to continue this week's interview. You know, it's hard to believe, but we're already racing toward the end of 2023. Thanksgiving and Christmas are great opportunities to give thanks and celebrate by giving to others. Our spirits are a bit softer and we're anxious to make an impact on other people. Now we have a special opportunity. Close friends and contributors to Choose Life Radio have issued a matching challenge to our ministry family. This matching challenge will run from now through the end of December, and it's for $30,000. That's right, $30,000. So today through December 31, every gift from the Choose Life Radio family will be matched. The math's pretty easy. A gift of $100 becomes $200. A gift of $500 becomes a gift of 1000 And a gift of, well, you get the idea. During the next few weeks, Choose Life Radio can double each and every gift you send. So please take advantage of this challenge by going to chooseliferadio.com, push the donate button, and make your gift online. That's chooseliferadio.com. Or you can send your gift to Choose Life Radio Post Office Box 36622 Canton, Ohio 44735. That's Post Office Box 36622 Canton, Ohio 44735. So, congratulations. No matter the amount you send, your gift will be doubled. And the blessings, they'll be multiplied. Thank you for sending your gift today. You make it possible to share the value of life on this station. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, and our guest today is Greg Mack, and also the author of the book that they have created is Mitch McKelvey as well. The book is Abortion, the Case for Life. Powerful book. It's a very powerful book. And in your book, you guys, you strongly disclaim the statement that it's not a child, it's not just a clump of cells, and many, if not most people who support abortion take the opposite stand. It's really not a person, not able to live on its own, and we're allowed to stop the process of seven to nine months of growth. That's what our culture allows us to think. But in chapter two, you guys are strongly talking about the child, the prenatal in the womb, the postnatal afterbirth, and every stage beyond as the growth takes place. Tell me why that is such an important and strong message for you to get across in this booklet. Yeah, thanks. Um, I think that is an important point, uh, Jill. Yeah, it's why Mitch and I focused on 
including the objective reality that it is a human being and that human beings objectively exist and transition through various stages of development over time. And these stages have been identified with language uh, that describes each stage. The use of the word baby, child, etc. is used by the anti-abortion individual as an emotional appeal as well, you know, and so, you know, we can see that both sides of this issue arguing their, their perspective attitude about it, we're, we're, we're using this language to, to, again, emotionally charge things up, and, and we wanted to, to balance that with the objective literature-based kind of science uh, and, and medicine descriptions of these of these developmental stages, and so both sides, you know, ish of the issue are excessively leveraging only emotion to drive their point home, and again, stoking emotions only can certainly lead to tremendous discord and even violence. Purposely, intentionally ending life at any stage is ending a human life. You guys also make a really good point that I don't believe I've ever heard uh, in the discussion of abortion. You have a chapter on what are human rights and how do they impact the abortion issue. Does that child who has already got everything needed from conception to grow as a child in the womb just like a three-year-old has the ability to become four and five. And that is something that I don't think I've heard much about either. So share why that is so important for you to talk about in your book. Yes, that, again, that was another uh, thing that, that we found ourselves exploring and trying to understand, and, you know, what is a human right? Because, again, that's the clarion call for many positions on many subjects regarding human behavior and action in a society where certain positions and abilities to act are not subject to being denied by anyone and even protected via the threat of violence. And so we wanted to dig uh, deeper into really what that means. And so generally what we've discovered was the notion of a human right um, seems fundamentally and utterly subjective. It, it is turned into something objective when other individuals are empowered to enshrine them in a document and connect that document and its intention to some authority that can enforce the right created by forcing other individuals to comply uh, with the threat of police action and legal process if they don't. Since these rights are subjective and approved by other humans, uh, they can be taken away by humans as well. And so they are not objectively absolute. It was interesting because we found that Rights, whatever you want to list there, um, and we gave examples of you know rights and uh, organizations that declared rights. Um, once approved by some authorities, they are treated as absolute, objective, intractable, and infinite in their intention. Although the overturning of Roe v. Wade showed that what? No, these things can be changed because they're human derived. Because subjective values might change. Uh, the individuals who comprise the authority might change their values on any subject where a right is defined and enforced. So rights can come and go. Uh, but interestingly enough, the right to life does seem to have a special fundamental nature. Because if you're not alive, 
no other rights can exist. It's just really amazing if, if you get a chance to pick this book up, listener, because it is very simple. It is very clear, but it is very true. And it's something that I think uh, if, you know, if, if I were to buy one, I'd buy it so that I could give to a neighbor who's pregnant and maybe considering that it's too much to have one more child or that this isn't the right timing. It's a book that's so personal. And when a person gets that in their hands, it's really difficult to deny the clarity of what you have shared about life and about that child and how special that child is from the absolute beginning. Really, I have a, a great passion for you guys, what you're doing. Share a little bit about the importance of the time that you took to create this. Obviously, you're friends, and you probably go to the same church. And so tell me a little bit about how did you come to the decision that this was what you were going to do? Well, I mean, without human life, none of this matters, Jill. No other rights can be thought of, written down, and enforced if no one is alive. And societies across the globe and across time have generally set up legal codes and authorities that protect it and investigate the loss of it. Why? Why do we accidentally find some human bones in the woods and then spend incredible time and resources trying to find out who those bones belong to, to discover the unique human life that was ended, to put a name and face to that life, to notify the family? Why do we have elaborate ceremonies to prepare and bury our dead, to remember them, to find out how they died and if another human was responsible, and then work hard to find them and bring them to justice? There is just something fundamentally intrinsic to being human and the honoring of life. Now, combined with being a Christian, which comes with a specific set of values and understanding, uh, as we learn and read what God reveals in His Word, um, we start to know where human life comes from, what the purpose of life is, and how best to live with other humans. So this really is one of the most important issues any human must come to grips with, is the, the value and unique, special uh, nature of being alive. It's a book that you just can't set down once you start through the first chapter. And it's a short book. It's something that you could share with someone. You could give it a set to your pastor, and you could say, these books might really help someone who's struggling with whether or not they can afford to have this child. Or the shame that comes, especially in the church, with someone who gets pregnant and isn't married. And, you know, it, and the fact that God allowed that child to be conceived means that God has a purpose for that child. And it probably will do a wonderful thing in the lives of its parents, even if they don't marry. I mean, it's just going to create a whole different feeling about what that child is. I, I really appreciate the passion that you guys have, and in, especially in this booklet. It's very powerful. Again, I would recommend that our churches uh, pick up several copies just to have them available. If someone comes into a pastor's office and says, I'm really struggling, 
I really feel like I need to go ahead and have them an abortion. Or I know my husband can't find out about this pastor. I've got to get rid of this child or this whatever they're going to call it at that time. It's important for pastors to have a book like this that just says, hey, this is the child. And in our case, in your case, perhaps, I don't know, listener, it could be the child you adopt. It could be the saving of the child that you adopt. And I can't, um, I just can't brag enough about the son that we have that we wouldn't have had if we hadn't had the blessing of adopting. That's really all the time we have today, but please consider sharing this interview with your friends and family, and I would be remiss if I didn't let you know how you could get your hands on this book. So if you're hoping to purchase this book titled Abortion, The Case for Life, and you can find it on Kindle, on Kobo, Apple Books, Amazon, Scribed, (laughs) obviously you have some options where you can get it. Thank you, Greg and Mitch, for joining us today. And the fact that you came together and you're standing there together, but you're one voice, I love that, too. It's a very unique thing on our program. Thanks, Jill. We uh, certainly appreciated the time and and are thankful for you um, recognizing uh, uh, the booklet that, um, you know, the Holy Spirit wrote through us and uh, for uh, hopefully getting it out so that it might help some people. Absolutely. It's a wonderful book, and I thank you for being with us today on Choose Life Radio. And listener, I am so grateful as well for you as you listen to Choose Life Radio and as you help support us. Please remember to send your thoughts and your prayers and your funding to chooseliferadio.com. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you back next week at Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.